0: You're the one who walked on water and you call the raging sea. You command the highest mountain to fall upon their knees. You're the one who welcomes sinners and you open blinded eyes. You restore the broken heart. West Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where the you're pastor is Elaine Allen. You're more than enough. You are amazing. With authority you've spoken, and you set the captive.
1: Chat time. Now we will continue our discussions
0: of current events and scriptures.
2: Praise the Lord. So I want to talk about, you know, some current events, but I really want to talk about some scripture. And what I really want to talk about today is about repenting and repentance, and how how a person knows. That they are really repenting for a godly reason and not a selfish reason. But I want to, so think about that first, and then we're going to talk about some current events. So I know we mentioned this on the program before about a blind woman who is banned in a park for sharing the gospel. <laughs> Uh-oh. she would just she would ask passers by about Jesus and share the gospel with them and offered would offer them a free copy of the Gospel of john and so they banned her from this park and she was so irritated that she went ahead and she sued according to cbn
1: news where, where was this
2: um I thought it was in New York, but I'm not sure. I can't remember. It was a public
1: park, I imagine. Yeah. Okay. But
2: she wasn't bothering anybody, and nobody complained. So so no one really. complained?
1: It was just some official, somebody, who, uh, what, an employee at the park who saw her doing this? And doing I'm it? not
2: sure. I can't remember. I don't have that article in front of me from quite a while ago, but... Um, so the the woman's name is Gail Blair, and she was represented by First Liberty Institute and William Ray, W-R-A-Y, Jr. of Adler Pollock and Sheehan, P.C. The two firms reportedly took up her case because banning a blind woman from entering a public park simply because she offered people she meets religious material is outrageous and discriminatory, said... Council, and according to the charge of discrimination that they filed, Blair stated in her own words that it has come, become clear that the association has discriminated against me on the bias, on the basis of my disability, my religion, and my religious message. The charge of discrimination continues. In addition, the association treats similarly situated sighted individuals and groups very differently. The park allows private and public events of all sorts, even those private events that are substantially more likely to result in littering than handing out a pocket-sized copy of the Gospel of John by someone who is blind. No government entity should ban anyone, let alone a gentle blind woman, for simply carrying on a conversation about her faith and giving them a copy of the Gospel of John in a public park. Blair is happy with the ruling, saying in a statement to CBN News, I am thankful to First Liberty Institute and all my attorneys for fighting on on my behalf and look forward to once again spending time in the park and sharing my faith in Jesus with those who are interested in having the conversation. So this article came from ChristianHeadlines.com, and it's not that, you know, she bugged anybody or badgered them. You know, she simply asked if they were interested in having a conversation.
1: Yeah, but it's it's odd how they're not specific as to, you know, who actually took that action against her, because I would like to know, you know, what irritated them to the point. You know, it reminds me of that actress... uh, Orange is the New Black or something like that, some some TV series. But this, this man was actually just sharing the gospel. He wasn't even talking to her. He was actually talking to someone else, and she overheard it. She came from where she was all the way to where he was and actually physically assaulted him because she battered him because he was talking about the word of God, and she couldn't stand it. She just couldn't mm-hmm. stand to hear and it. Offense, but the person
2: that was being talked to didn't mind that's, at all. That's amazing how talking about Jesus offends people. And <laughs> I just can't believe it. It's just, um, it absolutely is amazing. So here I, have, I found this article on ChristianHeadlines.com. And it, 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 I, I don't understand. I just don't get it. It's a group that has released a Bible with words ordered alphabetically to provide new interpretations of Scripture. So a new rewritten Bible with each word listed alphabetically for each book of the Bible was just I don't get it. released by a group of creatives called Sideline Collective, the Christian Post Reports. And the project is called, and this is in alphabetical order, Bible The. Instead of the Bible, it's Bible The, because B comes before T. (laughs) So, according to the project's website, each book is completely reorganized from A to Z. Why? (laughs) The group claims that this distills each text down to its lowest common denominator, It highlights the importance people tend to place on the order of said words and their meaning and allows the new and interesting interpretations (laughs) of the written word in much the same way as an abstract painting. So they scramble it. So
1: they're saying, wow, people are placing too much emphasis on the meaning of words in the order in which you're speaking. And we've got to change that. We're going to scramble it so
2: you're listening to nonsense. So That's Reportedly, the project is meant to show how people focus a little too much on word order <laughs> rather than trying to decipher the meaning of the words and what the Bible is but actually if, But if they scramble the words, how are you going to get to the meaning? Because the order actually has a lot to do with it. Okay. I mean, somebody should tell them that. Starting with the first book in the series, Bible, the, the entire King James Bible, is reorganized and reprinted in alphabetical order. Mm -hmm. The result is a reductionist interpretation of the text that reveals some fascinating observations, Uh, they said. The group claims that the Bible has likely unconscious and cultural biases that may have changed how we were supposed to read it. The group By listing off the number of times certain words were used, the group concluded that the Bible may have cultural biases toward white men and a positive message. For example, the word good is used 720 times, while the word bad is only used 18 times. The word love is used 308 times, and hate is used 87 times. The group compared several other words, including saints and sinners, blessed and damned, enemies and friends, among others.
1: I get that, but how does that show a bias towards white men? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only sentence in
2: this article that says that. (laughs) that?
1: paranoid.
2: (laughs) According to Joseph Ernst, a founder of the company that released the project, the end result is an entirely new Bible. Now you are, you would think. Bible, <laughs> the, with its algorithm rewritten so that the book can be seen and analyzed without the author's bias.
1: Oh, it's ridiculous. did they give a scripture? did they give an example of a verse or that something? That is all
2: that was, I, I, you know, I, I didn't have a chance to go to the website to the project website. Well, we'll try and and go to the project website. So the project. So that we can is, bring I mean, something. the project is called in quote Bible comma the. Okay. Bible the. We're gonna try <laughs> this. It's a catchy little thing. Huh? Yes. Catchy little. People are silly. I, I wonder what happened.
1: They was smoking ganja that night. Somebody took anything. out their bone and he said, Hey, I got an idea. <laughs> The hookah. Oh my goodness. A, and then, a, the hookah person said, Here, try this. Read the Bible. The first take a puff. Now, try to read the mm-hmm. Bible. He said, Man, it doesn't make any sense. What are we going to do?
0: We're going to call it Bible The.
1: the. <laughs> <laughs> and they were on their way.
2: Anyway, moving on. Here's another uh, article from KristenHeadlines.com. And a UK pastor. John Williamson of New Quay Baptist Church is facing violent threats from members of the LGBTQ plus community for insisting that homosexuality is a sin. Now I read this article and I'm thinking, how would this how would anybody how would any LGBTQ plus person know this unless they were in the congregation? So while he's speaking, he talks about homosexuality as a sin. And what happened is that a UK-based watchdog organization—so they must have put plants in the churches, so they, they you know—probably
1: they probably have people going around to different churches, denominations to see where their stand is on sodomy, and if you stand with the word, unless it, you have, you're, unless you might.
2: have. Uh, unless you have something posted on your Facebook page or, or or something, but when an online user asked Williamson, the pastor, why he, he celebrated uh, cancellation, well, actually, let me backtrack. Um, according to Christian Concern, a UK-based watchdog organization, Williamson simply wrote Wonderful News in response to a news article that stated that Cornwall Pride Parade was canceled. The festivities were originally scheduled to take place August 29th. And when an online user asked Williamson why he celebrated the cancellation, the pastor replied, because I don't think sin should be celebrated. He proceeded to use the scripture to defend his stance on homosexuality and he cited the books of John James and First Corinthians, chapter six, verses nine to eleven, and then the pastor shared an article on his personal Facebook page, noting that his church had previously prayed for the cancellation of the parade. We also prayed that the Lord would save the organizers. One prayer answered. Now we wait for my for the second prayer to be answered, he said. So the names of the users were blocked out by Cornell Pride in order to make it seem like Pastor Williamson was the only one behind the negative comments, and Williamson's wife received online threats as her husband's head was superimposed upon an image of a homosexual pornography, which was shared online. The pastor was then reported by Cornwall and you followers know, you know what's to the about, police for hate but speech. You know,
1: yeah, but you know what's interesting about that? That if they saw nothing vile or disgusting with what they're doing, then they wouldn't have superimposed the pastor's head on a pornographic uh, image of sodomy. But somewhere in the back of their mind, they felt like it was insulting. Now, if it's such a normal thing, then why would they post that? Say, so somewhere in their mind, they're actually telling off on themselves because there would be no reason for them to uh, put a suggestive photograph out there unless they know that's how it's going to be viewed. So they, have to, they might as well admit that even within their own circles, they know that it's disgusting. Some of the things that they're doing, they know that it's against, it's against God's will.
2: They have to know
1: it, that it's not normal.
2: So what he did is um, he, well, he received a slew of threats. Members and supporters of the LGBTQ plus community participated in a protest outside of his church, threatened to have the church's charity status revoked, threatened to have the pastor deported to his homeland of Australia. And amid the threats, Williamson met with two council members of Cornwall Pride where he continued to defend his stance on homosexuality. And with the member's permission, he shared a tract that explains why it is a sin, according to scripture. But the group then shared the images of the tract online to make it seem like Williamson was continuing to promote hate speech. A screenshot posted by Christian Concern showed how one group member's proposal to burn down Nuquay Baptist Church was met with support. Then another user chimed in, chanting, "Let's burn a church! Let's burn a church!" And then another member suggested a mass orgy be performed at the church. And then in but, response, but that, but, but and I'm then saying, it like yeah, snowballed. But
1: their their reasoning: if they feel like what they're doing is so normal, why do they use it as a means of demeaning someone? See, if I felt like Say if I felt like marriage was, was normal. And, somebody, and then somebody said, no, it's disgusting. Why would I use marriage that I would feel would be normal as a means to ridicule you? Why would I do that? Unless something in my mind says, I actually feel like there's something wrong with it in your subconscious. Because if the very thing that you're fighting for that you're taking a stand saying it's not disgusting, it's not normal. Well, this is Is my take on it.
2: Uh, This is my take on LGBTQ+, and then some. I mean, it took years and years and years until Obama Uh decided to come out and give his blessing Uh to it. But all the people that were gay, and, and there never was anything as a national coming out day, I mean, they were what they called in the closet. And why are you in the closet? Because you think that it's something wrong.
1: No, you're in the closet because they feel like people are persecuting you for what you are.
2: No, I think part of it is that they, way deep down inside of themselves, they know that it's not right.
1: Right, And, and if they feel like it's so normal, you wouldn't use the very thing that you say there's nothing wrong with it to demean somebody. To demean someone. Mm-hmm. Right. That, so that's, that's counter... It, it, uh, it's like... You're co-
0: telling off your own self. Right.
1: Like, that's counterintelligent. It's, it's like it's, it doesn't make any sense. The very thing that I would hold dear, that's what I use to make you look ridiculous. That doesn't, that doesn't add up.
2: Well, anyway... So, moving on, here's, a, you know, ChristianHeadlines.com had a lot of good articles out there, mm-hmm. and someone sent this to me that Kroger fired a Christian, Christian employees, plural, who refused to wear LGBT rainbow, a rainbow oh, on their...
1: Okay, on the, their. The, the emblems. So,
2: okay an Arkansas Kroger store violated federal anti-discrimination law when it reportedly fired two employees who refused to wear LGBT-themed aprons due to their religious beliefs, according to a lawsuit that was filed recently. According to the Miami Herald, a dress code by the Conway, Arkansas, grocery store, and we do have Kroger here, so, Mm -hmm. um, required employees to wear a rainbow-colored heart emblem on the bib of the apron. The women believed the emblem endorsed LGBTQ values and that wearing it would violate their religious beliefs. Kroger disciplined the two women and eventually fired them, an action that violates Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which bans employment discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, and national origin.
1: But that has nothing to do with Both employment.
2: women are Christian.
1: Right. But I mean,
2: wearing an emblem has nothing to do with employment or job performance. So the two women offered to wear the apron with the emblem covered, and the other offered to wear a different apron without the emblem, but the company made no attempt to accommodate them. Companies have an obligation to consider requests for religious accommodations, and it is illegal to terminate employees for requesting an accommodation for their religious beliefs. Which makes sense. The EEOC tried but failed to reach a pre-litigation settlement, the news release said, and the lawsuit seeks monetary relief in the form of back pay and compensatory damages as well as an injunction against future discrimination. The Kroger Company operates 2,758 grocery stores in 35 states under a variety of names, including Kroger and Harris Teeter, and I believe... Pick and Save. Right. I believe Pick and Save is one of them. Right. Well, anyway. I
1: wonder how the outcome... I, w- I would like to see if they win their lawsuit.
2: I don't know. We'll have to follow it. Um, so... I had articles sent to me about um, the recent um, political, you know how o- Obama is going out and Trump and Biden and and Pence and everything, you know. So by yeah. the, by the time you hear this, the uh-huh. election is going to be over, and I don't know as someone once told me recently, we'll either be celebrating or crying. <laughs> you know, the two, I don't know. But um, in any event, I think this whole nation needs um, to take a step back and examine themselves and um, repent for what they've done. Or, and so I was thinking in terms of, because I have a lot of articles that were sent to me about you know, how the nation uh, needs to turn to God. We're at a dangerous moment, and people, Christians, need to be intercessors. They need to get on their knees and pray for the country, for the nation, you know. But um, it got me thinking about repentance, And, and I was thinking about repenting and... Esau, how he repented for uh, giving away his birthright. And I'm thinking about people who do things and do things out of the will of God. And then they're reaping. Now they're reaping what they sow, what they sowed in the past, or they're suffering the consequences of their sins. And there are a lot of different Sins that a person can commit. And some things are just because they just weren't wise. Some things weren't because they failed to run from sin, like the Lord says, or some people. But how does a person really know that they are sorry for their sins? I mean, how do they know that they're just not repenting because, like Esau, for reaping the consequences of their actions. How do you know? How do you really know? I mean, because Because, I I was just thinking about this, and I'm thinking people, when they initially start to repent, they're sorry. Yeah, they're sorry because if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be in this situation, or this wouldn't have happened to me, or... um, Yeah, but I'm thinking... And and is it okay to just, to say, Lord, I know I'm reaping what I sow, but I'm sorry because I disobeyed you? Because... I I think when a
1: person truly repents and acknowledges that they sinned against the the Lord, if I believe the Lord actually communicates with the person, I, I feel like... Esau wasn't just out there left on his own but he could not the reason why Esau could not find it within himself to regret selling his birthright so, so, like, say, for instance, I believe when a person goes to the Lord and they're sorrowful and they cry and they repent and, and, it, and it bothers them, I don't believe the Lord leaves a person out there. I believe the Lord begins to communicate with the person. So you're saying that the Lord communicated with Esau? I believe so. But Esau could not, you could fool people, but you can't, you can't fool the Lord. You can't tell the Lord, this is why I'm repenting. The Lord knew that Esau was repenting not because he was sorry for selling his birthright. He was sorry for missing his blessing. And no matter what he did, no matter how
2: much he cried, Well, you know, part, could, of could, that, part of that is, and we're going to have to continue this next week, but part of that is um, you missed out on some of the blessings that God could or you could have had. Could have, would have, should have. You should have done it, and it's all over, it's and, you not, can't and you missed out on it. But it's it not and, enough.
1: See, it's not enough for the Lord to say, I restore uh, your birthright
2: privileges is not enough. But would it would there have been if a repentance had, good enough yes, to if, restore? Yes, if he could actually admit that he knew. I mean, because I'm thinking now look at David when he sinned. Well, I'm we're just getting into this. But I'm thinking about David when he sinned with Bathsheba and he had a child, and the child... The Lord took that child, and he prayed and prayed and prayed. Uh-huh. Now, his repentance was a good, wasn't good; evidently good enough. Anyway, we're going to have to finish. <laughs> continue next week, because now that I started to say something, I've got all these questions.
1: Praise the Lord, and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from Romans 1 and 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Now ain't God all right?
2: God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, why will the Lord not forsake his people? And the answer is, because it pleased the Lord to make us. And that answer can be found in First Samuel chapter 12, verse 22 which reads for the lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake because it hath pleased the lord to make you his people this week's food for thought is should a hard working believer say i obtained wealth by the works of my own hands hint the bible And that's food for thought.